for coming. Um, welcome to Parsha My Life, but now we're part of a, a very special series of classes that we're doing in honor of, uh, as part of our life program. Tonight is uh, event number four out of 54 events. So there's another 50 events coming up, and you don't want to miss any of those. So a good idea, good, 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 good thing is... Um, you have our emails. We send out an email before all the events are happening. But if you want a easy reminder, you can text to the number 41411. Again, that's to the number 41411. One word. You text the word LIFE. And that means you'll be subscribed to a special text messaging service that we have that every day when an event is happening, we text it out and you receive that text about something happening, and you can forward it and do a mitzvah, and you never know which neshama you can ignite and whose soul you can change forever. As simple as that, as sending this out to more people. Okay, so we're having our uh, Elul. Uh, in, now, I do want to say, look out for the, in the markets and in shuls everywhere because we will be having our fantastic, extremely beautiful um, brochure for the life program now it's only online but it's going to be out in the print version um, towards the end of the week so please look for that uh, and again text the word life to 414-101 I do, I do want to announce before we go to the sponsorships of tonight's class some of the upcoming events that are happening um, uh, from next week and onward which means while well, I will announce on next Monday the events really start coming jam-packed every day. This week, it's a little bit slower because I'm going out of town for the weekend. 
Uh, I'm not going to be here, so that's why there's a little bit of a... It's a little, it's a little quieter for this weekend, but it's going to pick up Bezos Hashem very intensely next, from next week, Monday, and onward. We do have two very special events beginning this week. One starts tomorrow night. We're having a, our program called Think, and this is a class for women and girls who want to learn, but not just learn, but learn how to learn. So my daughter, uh, Mrs. Zisi Zirkind, um, who's Baruch Hashem, a very, very, very great teacher and has a magnificent, incredible grasp on Hasidus. I mentioned that other times I discuss many complicated aspects of Hasidus with her because of her sharpness and clarity in, in it. And she is going to be giving a class for women and girls starting tomorrow night, September 6th at 8 p.m. It's going to be initiated as a Chavrusa learning in which she will give guidance on, she'll give copies and instruct on how to go about that. And then after that, she will be giving a class and that's on the Maimarani Lodoidi about Elul. So again, the first of those series is tomorrow, September 6th. There'll be another one next week, Tuesday night on September 13th. And Friday, and finally, the third one is going to skip a week and be September 27th. So come and bring your friends to tomorrow's class. It's going to be really, really special. Um, another uh, event, special starting. We will not have the Thursday night class this week. I won't be here. There won't be the Mashiach class this week. The Explore class, Shabbos afternoon, will be given by someone, but it's not part of that series, uh, part of that uh, thing, but it will be given by someone on Shabbos afternoon, so you can come here at 5.15. Um, Next week, Sunday night, that's in a week from yesterday, September 11th, Sunday, September 11th, this coming Sunday, a new series beginning um, uh, with uh, Rabbi Yukasil Kalmanson, fantastic teacher, fantastic teacher, and a wonderful orator, is going to be, he's an up-and-coming great, great teacher. You'll be... Uh, Seeing a lot of him, and you know, many, 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 many people uh, that have done really, really well have started a Mayan. You know, Benny Friedman was our cousin. Now I can't even get him for a job. That's <laughs> too big. So we have uh, um, um, uh, lots of. Uh, so Yukasil is going to be very special. He is already, but he'll, he'll, once the word gets out on him, he's an amazing teacher. Next week, Sunday night, uh, he's teaching um, a class called Radical. So it's a three-part series. The class on. Sunday and the, 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 the general subject the general name of that particular part is called Transcend as part of the live program. But it's radical resolutions for enduring change. That's what we want to do in L. We want to have enduring change. So part one, it's gonna be su- Sunday, this coming Sunday at eight PM at Mayan, Sunday night, next Sunday. Don't forget this for men and women, Sunday night, next week Sunday. Okay. So those are the classes and the unique events happening as part of the live program uh, this coming week. Bezos Hashem, next week, Monday night, when I'm back in town, uh, we will be announcing a whole bunch of other events coming up. Thank you. Now to some of the dedications of tonight's class. Last minute, we got a sheer sponsor. This was by Dr. Michla Dauer, and this is in honor of her sister, who needs a refuah shalema, Penina Gittel Bas Rachel. She should have a complete and total refuah shalema, betoich shar, choyle yisrael, complete, complete refuah, speedily, very, very quick. Um, another sponsors for, for, for the class. 
all the series of classes of learn. That means all my Monday night classes, Parsha in my life, over the next till after Sukkot or till Sukkot time, were all sponsored by Dr. Chaim and Batya Cohen. And this is Luzchus, his sister, Alias Neshama, Charna, Dr. Cohen's sister, Charna Matlabas Choni, Allah Hashalem, and her Neshama have a very great Aliyah to the greatest of heights, and lots of brachas, and aksivach simatayv, and agutka bench you to you and your family, and only, only good. Um, another dedication was by Ruth, Ruth Gabriella Waters, and this is in honor of her birthday, that was, I think, this past Friday. May you have a wonderful, special good year, with much mazel and bracha, and only, only good things coming your way, and um, only happiness, and very, very great success and prosperity in this upcoming year. Another dedication on the Shia was by my good friend Ariel Haratz, and this is in honor of his father's yard site, which is going to be this Thursday, on Hey Elul Eliezer Ben Yecheskel Olav HaShalem, May his neshama have the greatest, greatest, greatest aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots of brachas to you and your family for only good and wonderful, wonderful good things. And aksivach simatayvet to you and your family. Um, another dedication this week was by Usher and Talia Rakowski. Um, Talia used to be Talia Mayer. Now she's married to Usher Rakowski, so she's Talia Rakowski. So Usher and Talia Rakowski, in honor of their new baby boy who had his bris yesterday, and he got a beautiful name, Avram Dove. May this be to a very big, 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 big schus, the spreading of Torah. May this be a big schus because we, we, we benched him yesterday. So usually it takes till you're about three years old to you can go in to learn Torah because you are, you can't really learn until you're getting a little older. The father teaches you Shema Yisrael, Maidani, and all the other Torah, Tzivalanu, Moshe, all the things you're supposed to teach a little boy. But here you have the merit of Torah immediately because this week hundreds of people are going to be listening to a class in Luschus. Little baby Avram Dov. May this be a big schus to him that he should continue and he should really go into Torah in a very, very, very big way. And and all the other blessings that everybody gave should be materialized. And you and your family, Usher and your family, should have a ksivach Thanks for that dedication. Another dedication on the CD this week. Um, didn't have anybody to sponsor the CD. And our, it's a mind mazel, my CD machine is broken as well. And it's a, this is a keminhug. Okay, in any case, we're going to get a CD out. Either way, somehow we're going to knock it out. And um, this was sponsored by a person I don't know who lives in Chicago, a good Jew. His name is Daniel Kaplan. He sent me a message on the, on the website, on an email, that he somehow someone gave him a few of my CDs, and it enriched and enhanced his life tremendously. So he feels like he wants to give back by sponsoring a CD so that many other Jews can be inspired like he was inspired. So thank you, Daniel, and may Hashem bless you with abundance and bracha and mazel, and you should be able to help and do a lot of good, a lot, a lot of good, and continue growing in your Yiddishkeit and continue being a channel to facilitate and, 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 and bring Hashem's light to the world. Thank you, thank you so much to all those who dedicated. Now, for all of those who came in now, we had a whole bunch of announcements before, but we're not going to do it again. Okay, so just know that. Now we're ready uh, to begin tonight's class, and okay. So um, here we're standing um, in the end of the year, Tavshin Ayin Vav. We're ready to enter into Tavshin Ayin Zion, and we want Mashiach to come, and he still hasn't come, and that's frustrating me a lot, and I, and I hope it's frustrating everybody else as well. Baruch
So we have to take drastic measures to make Moshiach come. And the best thing is to learn about him and to recognize how essential it is in Judaism, the belief in the coming of Mashiach. So I do want to speak about something less mystical, less spiritual, but more practical and more halachic, um, related to the coming of Mashiach. So to bring Mashiach down into halachic reality of tangible, tangible reality. It's very important. So this week in the parasha, there's something really, really significant and something very important that gives us, brings about an emphasis on the concreteness and the absoluteness of Moshiach. Uh, the parsha talks about the cities of refuge, Are Miklat, uh, which is something that is set because of a undesirable situation that's possible in the world, that chas v'shalom, accidentally someone can take someone else's life. If that happens, the person needs a kapara, he needs a, 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 um, an atonement, and the atonement is that Hashem has given him, since he didn't do it on purposely, so he, can, he needs to go run to a city, and he has to stay there until the Kohen Gadol dies, the high priest dies, and that can be uh, a, a month, and it can be uh, uh, 50 years. He stays in that place, he's not allowed to leave. And if he does leave, the avenger of the blood can take vengeance and kill him. So he has to stay in that place. That means a family member can, can uh, run after him. He has to stay in the Ir Miklot until that period of time. Um, there were six cities of refuge that were set aside in the land of Israel. Three of them were in the land of Israel proper. Another three of them were across the Jordan River, which was the part that was added for the tribes of Ruvain and Gad and the half of tribe of Manasseh. Today it's the Golan Heights. So that area, the Golan, that area is belonging really the other side of the Jordan, and that's where they had another three cities. Now the Torah says in this week's Torah portion, in Perek Yutes, chapter nineteen, verse number eight, pasuk Ches. If God is going to broaden your boundaries, like He swore to your fathers, and Hashem is going to give you the entire land that He had spoken to give to your fathers. If God is going to broaden your land and give you the entire land of Israel like He spoke to your fathers, so what does that? Re- and then what does the Torah say? If it, meaning if if the land of Israel will become larger bigger, so then what? You will add another three cities of refuge. So altogether you'll have a total of nine cities where someone who accidentally took someone else's life can run for protection. Okay, Kisishmar. When is that going to happen? When are you going to, when is God going to add and broaden the land? Kisishmar. as kala mitzvah zois. When you will observe all the mitzvahs, la'saisa to do them, that I am commanding to, that I am commanding you to do today, to love God your your God, and to go in His ways, all the days. Then what? Hashem is going to add another three cities. No, then Hashem is going to give you. Then God is going to fulfill the promise that He told your fathers, and He's going to give you a broader land of Israel. Then what? You should add another three cities, set aside another three cities, on these three that you have already. So all together you're going to have nine ear miklats. Okay? Um, the three that are on the other side of the Jordan, the, the, the three that are in Eretz Yisrael proper, and the future three that is going to be up, when it's going to be added. Okay. So Rashi says, what is this talking about? When is this going to be added? So Rashi says, well, God spoke to Avram and he promised in the land of Ten nations. The initial promise to Avram Avinu was that I am going to give you a land of ten nations. 
However, when the Jews entered Eretz Yisrael in the days of Joshua with Yeshua ben Nun, with, right after we came out of Egypt and we took and we conquered the land, we only conquered the land of seven nations and we did not take ten. And because we didn't take ten, which means three, we failed to conquer. God did not instruct us to conquer it. So we only had seven. So Hashem is saying, but God did promise Avram Avinu, I'm going to give you all ten. The three that have not been conquered are Keni, Knizi, and Kadmoni. Those are the names that are in Pashas Lech Lecha, where Hashem makes that promise. Those three have not been conquered. They are, which lands? The land of Edom, the land of Esav, the lands of Ammon, and the lands of Moab, the two descendants of Lot. What they are exactly today, I'm not exactly sure. But those three lands, big parts, pieces of land, are going to be annexed to the land of Israel, and the land of Israel is going to be much, much bigger than it is today. Today we don't even have what we took. Today the land of Israel doesn't even include all that we took when we went in with Joshua, with Yeshua. But when then we're going to have the complete land of the seven nations plus another three countries which are going to be added on. So when that is going to happen, so that's what Rashi says, Ki Yarchiv, when, which he had promised to your fathers, then it will happen. This is what it says over here. It speaks about an expansion of Eretz Yisrael, when we will listen to God, and then God will give us more of the land. Okay. So there is a fascinating statement in Maimonides. If you look in Rambam, in the laws of, all the way in the end, in Hilchus Malachim, where the Rambam discusses the laws of Mashiach, in chapter 11 in Hilchis Malachim. The Ramam over there tells us that there's the promise about Mashiach, that there's going to be a king Mashiach, and he's going to get up, and he's going to restore the, the Davidic kingdom to its initial power, and so forth. And then the Ramam continues, the Ramam says, whoever does not believe in him, or does not await his coming, whoever doesn't believe in Mashiach, or does not await for his coming, the Ramam says, not only is this person a a heretic and a non-believer and in denial of, the, of all the rest of the prophets. Not only this person denying all the rest of the prophets, because as Maimonides says later, the, the, prof, the prophets and the, the books of the, of the prophets are filled, these are the words that Ramam says, are filled with prophecies of the end of days which is the days of Mashiach. But not only that, Ela Torah, the person is denying the Torah itself. Uba Moshe Rabbeinu, and the person is in denial in the prophecy of Moshe. He's denying Moshe Rabbeinu and the Torah. Which, obviously, the emphasis on Moshe Rabbeinu is, he's denying not just an ordinary prophet, he's denying the king of all prophets, which is Moshe Rabbeinu. Why should I have Torah Because the Torah testified about Mashiach. What is it? And the Rambam goes ahead and brings Three proofs of where we see the Torah clearly, explicitly, is prophesizing or telling us, promising us about the days of Mashiach. The first one the Rambam brings is a Pasuk in the end of Parshas Nitzavim. We're not at the end of Parshas Nitzavim. Parshas Nitzavim is not a big Parshas, so wherever it is, it's probably kind of, kind of closer to the end of it. In any case, in Parshas Nitzavim it says, V'shav Hashem Elokecha ez shavuzcha, that the exile will come to an end. V'shav Hashem Elokecha ez shavuzcha. God is going to bring back yours, your captives, those that were taken in captivity, those that were exiled. And God is going to have compassion upon you. And He will return. And He will gather you from all the nations. So we have a clear statement that in the end of days, God will bring us back. And then it says even further, If you will be scattered at the very corners of the heaven, corners of the earth, but to the other end of the heaven, 
Misham yekabetzcha. From there you will be gathered. Hashem elokecha. Your God, your God. Umisham yikachecha. From there, God Himself will go bring you. He will go get you. Every person. He will bring everybody back. And Hashem is going to bring you back to the land. Good. And then the Rambam says, another proof. That's first proof. Second proof. After Parshas Bilam, in the Parsha of Bilam, which we spoke about this last year, on Parshas Balak, not this year, but last year, we had a whole class in this, that also in the Torah portion, Parshas Bilam, which we know is it's called Parshas Balak. In Parshas Balak, where we have the story of Bilam, Bilam coming to curse the Jewish people and God switches it over into blessings and the very powerful blessings come out of his mouth. Right at the end, before Bilam goes home, he utters a whole bunch of prophecies which Maimonides say, says is referring to the future redemption. Okay? And the Ramam says over there he prophesizes about the two Mashiachs, the two anointed ones. Who are the two anointed ones? King David, David HaMeluch, he's the first Mashiach who is going to help the Jewish people in the beginning, in the, early, in, the, in the early history, and then the future Mashiach, who is going to help the Jewish people in the end of days. That is, um, and then the Ramam goes, goes ahead to quote the Psukim in Parshas, in Parshas Balak, where it discusses, where Bilam is talking about the future. He says, Arenu v'loy ata. I see him, but not now. Ashireno, I'm looking at him, I'm gazing at him. The low karov, but he's not close. It's very far off in history. But this is going to happen. Darach the star is going to shoot forth from Yaakov. Come shave at me, Yisrael. And a ruler is going to get up of Israel. And he's going to conquer all the world. Amazing. It says an amazing things, right? So the Ramam goes on to show which one is referring to David HaMelech and which one is referring to Mashiach Tzedkenu, the descendant of King David, of David HaMelech. Fine. After Maimonides quotes, this is all, all these proofs, again, from Parshas Nitzavim, where it says God will gather your exiles, and from Parshas Balak, where it discusses the prophecy of Bilam, that's all stated in one halacha, in one law in Rambam, then the Rambam continues in halacha, uh, another halacha, in halacha Beis, this is the second halacha in Perek, in the 11th chapter, in Nochus Malachim, also in the cities of refuge, who Oimer over there too it says, if God is going to expand, he brings our Pasuk that I just quoted, if God is going to expand your boundaries, you will add another three cities, on these three that you have already, add another three. And the Ramam asks a question, the Ramam is saying, I am now standing in the year so and so. And I'm looking back in history. This never happened. We never had a larger land. So what is the Pasuk telling us when there will be a large... So if it didn't happen in the past, it must be that we're looking ahead in time and this is yet to happen in the future. And the Torah is promising us that this will happen. And therefore, and, But you'll say, good, the Torah is saying if this is going to happen. So the Ramam says, no, no, no. God would not have commanded us a commandment to add another three cities if this is not meant to happen. If this is letoyu, if this is in vain, for nothing, Hashem would not have made this promise. So if God did tell us that what? Gave us a mitzvah, that if we have a larger land, we should add the, the, the three cities. This is a clear proof that one day will come when we will have, the extra, when we will have all ten lands. But then the Ramam continues, this is if you're looking in the Torah. But if you're looking in the prophets, if you're looking in the prophets, you don't even need proof. All the books are filled with this. My question over here today is, why does the Ramam need 
Three proofs. Why does he need this extra proof to bring this extra proof, this last proof from 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 what's called again from the Ir Miklat, from the cities of refuge, from our Pesukim? What was he lacking? Now, obviously, the Rambam is not bringing every time in the Torah it says about Mashiach. Because if the Rambam was looking to find everywhere in the Torah where it speaks about Mashiach, he can find other places. I'll tell you much earlier, in Bereshis, when, 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 when Yaakov Avinu is blessing his children, when he comes to Yehuda, he says to him that the, 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 the rulership will never depart from Yehuda, and the, the lawgiver will never go away from you. Will always, you will always be the king and the ruler of the Jewish people at Kiyovo Shiloh until Shiloh comes. The law Yikasamim, and to him all the nations will gather. What is that referring to? It's a prophecy about Mashiach. Ramam doesn't bring that. There are other prophecies about Mashiach. Ramam doesn't bring that. Ramam is only bringing something that is necessary. The question is, what does this last proof add that we don't have with the first two proofs? Now let me explain something. The first two proofs, we could, we could, there you can also say, you can ask, why do we need two proofs? Let him just bring one pasuk. In order to show that someone who denies the coming of Mashiach, who doesn't believe it, is considered that he's a denier of the Torah, one proof is enough. I don't need more than one. So why does the Rambam bring two? So we can explain that, why he needs two. You see, if Rambam would only bring, see the reason why the Rambam brings, why, why doesn't he just bring the prophecy of Bilam? Um, I'm sorry, why doesn't the Rambam bring only the first proof, which talks about that God will gather your exiles? Why does he need Bilam's prophecy? And the answer is, listen, this is very, very important. You see, Rambam is trying to tell you if you don't believe in Mashiach, it means you don't believe in a human being being Mashiach. Rambam is not just talking about that there will be a gathering of exiles. The Rambam says clearly that there's a king of Mashiach who is going to be the one who is going to lead this whole transformation in the world and bring the Jewish people back. So now, if you only bring the Pasuk in Nitzavim where it says God is going to return your exiles, the Shavash doesn't say anything about Mashiach himself. So then technically someone can say that what? I believe that there is going to be a, a, a redemption one time, but God is going to do it. Who says it's going to come through a human being? Ramam wants to say whoever is, the words of Ramam, Chom Bo. Whoever doesn't believe in him, him referring to the human, to a person who is Mashiach, person who doesn't believe in him is, is a, means, right. now the, the Rama means to exclude, there is a, 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 an opinion in Gemara, in Talmud, in Mesech the Sanhedrin, Daftzadik Ches, I think, there is an opinion in the Gemara, someone by the name of Hillel, who was one of the sages of the Talmud, of the Gemara, this is not to confuse him with the famous Hillel, Hillel, that was a Tana, an author, a, 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 one of the um, sages of the Mishnah. This is led many generations later. The author of the Gemara, one of the sages of the Gemara, where Hillel says, Ein Mashiach li Yisrael. There's no Mashiach to the Jewish people. As Rashi explains, it means, but God himself is going to come to redeem them. It's going to be a redemption by God. No Mashiach. So the, so, so the Ramam says, if you don't believe him, you're a heretic. You're not believing. So here's the thing. Um, the Chassam Sefer, the great, one of the great um, halachic authorities writes that um, Hillel wasn't a heretic because Hillel lived before the sages argued with him. In other words, Hillel made a statement before, before we had a conclusion that much. Once the, the Gemara tells us that the sages argued with Hillel and they said, no, the redemption is coming through a Mashiach, through a person, and not through, uh, through the Abishter himself. Then, today's days, we're living already after this, this dispute, and the dispute was already resolved amongst the sages that Mashiach is a human being alive, going to redeem. And by the way, Hillel is not in the argument on the whole idea that there was a human being meant to be Mashiach, because 
um, that says, and we said earlier, it says so in the, in the, in the prophecies of, the, of, of, of Bilam. It's just that Hillel believed that Yechizkiyahu HaMelech was supposed to be Mashiach, and for whatever reason didn't happen. So once it didn't materialize that he's going to do it, it's up to God, it's not going to be a human being. That was it. Notice we had our chance for there to be a Mashiach, a physical Mashiach, a human being Mashiach. It didn't peter out. So therefore, it's going to be the Abish. Fine. So the Chassam Seifer says, however, what the Rambam means, today's days, if you subscribe to Hillel's belief, then you're a heretic in the Torah. Because the Torah has clearly said that there is a Mashiach. Fine. So we understand why we need the second proof. And the first proof that, um, that, that God will gather the exiles isn't enough, isn't sufficient. On the other hand, so why, shouldn't, why doesn't the Rambam just go with the proof of, of why doesn't the Rambam just go with, with Bilam's prophecies? Where there it says clearly, talking about a human being that will bring Mashiach, that will be Mashiach, that will, be, that will have this. Oh, so the reason why the Rambam also needs the first pasuk is, you see, Rambam wants very, very, very clear to emphasize that when we're talking about someone not believing over here, it's not in something that is stated in which it's left to, it's left to um, rabbinic interpretation to interpret it. Because then someone can say, I don't know if I believe so much in the rabbis, whatever. The Rambam wants to say that you're in denial of something that is explicit in, in Scripture itself. It's in the Pasuk itself. We're not talking about some interpretation. And therefore, the Psukim of Bilam, being that Bilam is speaking in poetry and in riddles, that's the way prophets would speak, in riddles and in poetry, it's left to interpretation. So even though the sages interpret it to mean that he's talking about Mashiach, we're not 100%. We, someone can argue, well, whatever, there's many interpretations. For example, Evan Ezra, one of the great commentators of Chumash, learns in his simple interpretation that all those prophecies in Bilam are referring to King David. It's not at all, it's David HaMelech, not referring to Mashiach. So therefore, since the Rambam wants to wants to, to tell you very, to drill in the idea that, you're, that a person is now being in denial of something stated explicitly in Chumash itself. Not. So therefore he can't just rely on the prophecies of Bilam. He has to rely on the prophecy in, in, in Devarim where over there it says God is going to gather that, that Hashem is going to bring a geula to the Jewish people after this current exile. Fine. So we see how each one adds to the other. Here we see it's explicit in the Psukim itself. You don't need a Medrish Chazal. Here you see that we're talking about a human Mashiach, not only a, a godly uh, event that is going to happen coming from Hashem. So both of them complement each other. The question, however, is why do we need a third proof coming from this Ir Miklat mitzvah? Another interesting thing is, what is the Ramah bringing from the Ir Miklat? The Ramam is from the Ir Miklas and the cities of refuge, because you see over there that God says, if I'm going to increase your land, hold it. Why not go to the source of sources? Why not go to the promise that Hashem gave Avram Avinu? I'm going to give you ten, the, the land of ten nations. That never happened. Think about it. What, what are we saying? We're saying, Ramam is saying, you know what the other proof is? It says in Parsha Shoftim, that if God is going to give you the, thir- the three other countries that he had promised Avram to give you, so you see from here that one day we will get those three extra, extra and therefore, and since that never happened, it must be that we are, we are awaiting for an expansion of the land, and when is that going to happen? Well, Mashiach. So why do I need to go to that Pasuk? Why can't I just go to the promise that Hashem made to Avram Avinu? I will give you a land of ten, and that promise has to happen. 
Why, why is the Ramam looking dafka to the mitzvah of ir miklot and from there deducing it? Okay, so the idea is as follows. And this is very, very important. In general, um, when it comes to what we call Nitzchiyas Torah, to the eternity of the Torah, and we say that the Torah is eternal, and the Torah is, has to, whatever is in the Torah is forever. So there is a, there is a difference between there's a difference in general between prophecy, between prophecy and between Torah. There is prophecy. Now prophecy is something that is true. I'm talking about a true prophet. Of course, there's false prophets. But a true prophet means that God is communicating through this person. So here the question is, what is the strength of prophecy? What is, what, what is the power in its, in its assuredness? Because here is an interesting thing. And that is that we know that um, we have sometimes that a prophet promises something is going to happen. And um, it's possible that it doesn't happen. There is such a there is such a there is such an idea. Rambam says explicitly in the laws. I'll open up the Rambam. The Rambam states in over here in the laws of Yesodeh Torah. In the laws of foundations of the Torah, fundamentals of Torah, in chapter ten, Perak Yud. Halacha Dalit. It says like this: When a navi comes and prophesizes about punishment, that some terrible calamity is going to be is going to befall either an individual person or a city, a community. So Rambam says, For example, if the prophet says this guy will die. Or a hunger year is coming, like Yosef said, a hunger year is coming. Or there's going to be a big war. Or the like. If for whatever reason it did not peter out, it never happened. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, the guy doesn't die. The, the, the famine doesn't come. The war it doesn't, didn't, doesn't break out. The Rambam says, you should not write this prophet off as an imposter, as a liar. You can't dismiss this person as, he, he said prophecy, and it never happened. Why? Because, because the ain't Omer, man, we don't say, he spoke, and it didn't happen. Why? Because God is long to get angry, meaning he's patient, and he's full of kindness. Hashem reconsidered and he decided to pull back on what he wanted to do. God can change his mind. Strange thing. That's what it is. God can change his mind. He decides, why? 
Number one, Hashem is compassionate. So if Hashem promised to do something bad, and then, so to speak, for whatever reason, the compassion of God kicks in, and Hashem said, you know what? No, I'm not going to punish this person. And the Rambam says two things. Efshir sha'asu tshuva. It's possible. Another thing, it's possible the person did tshuva. V'nislach lahem, and it was forgiven for them. And tshuva is something that happens in the heart. So you don't know, even if it looks like to you that this person has not really changed, you don't know what's going on inside his heart. It could be the person did tshuva, and therefore they were forgiven, and God prolonged the, uh, is not punishing them. Okay. Oy lahem. Or God is pushing it off to a later time. He's holding it back for whatever. So you see that what? It's possible that a prophecy that is prophesized for bad should not come about. Now, that rule, however, Rambam says clearly, is only when God is giving a negative, when a, pro- when a prophet is coming with a negative message, with a negative prophecy. However, if a prophet comes with a positive prophecy, he comes with a blessing, he comes with a bracha that something good is going to happen, and we see it doesn't happen, then we know that if it did not materialize, that the prophet is a liar. Rambam says, If he came and he prophesied for something good, and he said a good thing is going to happen, and a good didn't happen, then we know this guy is a liar. Because God never goes back on a positive thing. Because essentially God wants to do good. If he's promised something bad, so being that inside deep, Hashem doesn't want to do that, so he can, he can change his mind on that. But Hashem never changes his mind once he promised he's going to do something good. Even if there's conditions, doesn't go back. Therefore, the way to test the prophet's truthfulness, you can't trust, test the prophet when he predicted bad things, you can only test the prophet on good predictions. If those things don't materialize, then you know he's a liar. That's what, that's what Rambam says. Okay. Now, why is that that way? Because you need something. Imagine if, let's understand this. Why, so, uh, 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 one thing is, of course, as we just mentioned, because Hashem always wants to do good. Fine. But there's another Indian over here. If a prophet can predict good things and it wouldn't happen, because for whatever reason God changed his mind, you lost all reliability of prophets. And not only that, how can you test who's a true prophet and who's making up baloney? The only way to be able to test it is if it if it, if if he's if 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 it if he comes through, if I sh- if what he promises materializes. So you can't test it unless so therefore even the prophecy that he says for good, I'm sorry, that's why the prophecies that he says for good must happen. Fine. Now interesting, there is an exception to that. The Ramam doesn't say it over here, but in his Pirusha Mishnayis, in his explanation on Mishnah, Ramam says that this idea that a, that, a prof, that a prophecy for good cannot be ever revoked and always must, come, must happen is only if it's a public prophecy. Which means the, 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 the Hashem told the Navi to speak and say it and publicize it. If God didn't tell the Navi to publicize it, He just told him a fact that something good is going to happen, he can, it can change. But if He publicized it, then it would be like a chilul Hashem. The Navi said it's going to happen, it doesn't happen, people are going to, disp- people are going to disqualify the Navi. So if on bad you can say people did tshuva, but on good, Hashem will, not, will, not, will never change it. But what do you see from here? 
even though a good prophecy has to stay, but the reason why it has to stay is a circumstantial element. Meaning to say, it's not because when God promises something, it cannot change. You say, well, God is God, and His promises are absolute, because He's Hashem, and therefore when He says something, it has to be. No, God is in a relationship with us, and we change. He doesn't change, but we do change. And since we change, and Hashem is communicating with us, and our status changes, we can be bad and become good, we can be good and become bad, so therefore, since we can change, the relationship changes. So therefore, even a promise could change. Now we're saying technically, technically, a promise for good will not change. So the promise that Hashem promises that Moshiach will come, for instance, is a good prophecy. It's not a bad prophecy, it's a good prophecy. So we know for sure, if it's a promise in the Torah, that it has to, st- it has to stay, and it has to be. But it's a technical element that it has to happen. Not because it's essentially something that cannot change. Torah is a whole different level. See, there is prophecy and there is Torah. Torah is not something that is essentially related to the world, the changing reality of the world. Torah is one with God Himself, infinitely higher than the world. Even if there is never a world, there is still Torah. Because as the sages say, Torah was preceded the creation 2,000 years, whatever that means. Now deeper than that, in, 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 um, in uh, Gemara Masech Shabbos, the Gemara says the acronym of the word Anochi, I am God. Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, your God. So the acronym of the word Anochi is Ana, stands for, Ana Nafshik Savis Yahavis. I, my soul, Savis, I have inscribed myself, Yahavis, I have transmitted. Which means God is saying, I, my very self, who I am, I have written myself into the Torah and I've given it to you. That means that the Torah is rooted in God's very essence. The Torah is not a means of communication that God communicates with us. It's not about the world, it's about God. It's one with God. And therefore, the Torah doesn't change. The Torah doesn't change, not because of some external factor that does not let it change. Torah doesn't change because God doesn't change. God is eternal forever. He's not within the whole realm of aging and weakening. That's all a created element. The Abishter Hashem is absolute. He's outside of the entire realm of any kind of wear and tear and change and... And therefore, Torah that is rooted and has God's essence in it cannot change. Rambam says this, that in, in, uh, in the laws of, let me read it to you over here, Perektes, Davar Borer, Perektes and Hilchus Yesoda Torah, in the foundations of Torah, Davar Borer Amafurish B'Torah, it is clear in the Torah, Shehi Mitzvah, that Mitzvah, Oimedes La'olam stands forever, Ula'olme Alamem forever and forever. Ain loy loy shinoi, there is no change, loy gira on, there is no diminishment, for lo tosefes, and there's no addition. 
Shanamar is you can't diminish it, you can't change it, you can't say any mitzvah changed because times have changed. So we have to keep Shabbos differently today because the way the Torah says Shabbos, it was meant for those days, but today, or for instance, we can eat non-kosher food because it was just dietary laws that were meant for times when people did not have cleansliness or whatever, and therefore they didn't have the type of medicine we have today. But today we're able to because it, that's not true. Torah doesn't change it because Torah is not even about us and about our reality. It's about God. God shared something of His essence with us. And God doesn't change. It's absolute. That means that there is something much deeper in Torah than there is in prophecy. Prophecy is meant for communication. If it's meant to communication, it is therefore... um, Contingent on the on the nature and on the condition of the recipient, and therefore there could be changes in prophecies. We are saying that a prophecy for good that too, in essence could change. It's only because of a side technical element because then we will dis, we won't have anything to test the navi. So therefore we have to say that that will also. But it's not an essential essence that it lasts. It's not an essential element that it lasts forever. Torah lasts forever because it's not changeable because it's part of Hashem. It cannot change. And now we understand the chidush of why the Rambam is bringing this idea that it says also in Ari Miklat. You see what Rambam is telling you is that this mitzvah, that this, that the promise that Moshiach is going to come and there's going to be a redemption is not just a promise of God. It's not just a promise coming through a prophet. Bilam was a prophet. He was a wicked prophet, but he was still a prophet. It's not some a promise that's mentioned in the Torah in general, but it's part of a mitzvah in the Torah. See, it's part of the mitzvah in the Torah. Now it's an integral part of a mitzvah. Why? Because what's mitzvah? Let's understand. So what's, what's the mitzvah of Ir Mikla? The Ir mitzvah of cities of refuge have three stages in them. Stage number one, when the Jews were in the desert, they already had the mitzvah. Even before they entered the land of, entered the land of Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu set aside three cities in, the city, which, in which the, those people who committed accidental murder went to these three cities. The truth is, they couldn't go yet, but at least Moshe separated them. So there was the concept of Ir Miklat when the Jews were in the Midbar. Once they went into the land of Israel proper, they were added in another three cities. Now the mitzvah had the next stage of the mitzvah. Not three Ir Miklats like on the other side of the Jordan. Now it's six Ir Miklats. But then there is the complete mitzvah. What's the complete mitzvah of Ir Miklat? Nine cities of refuge. And that is only going to be when Mashiach comes. So now... The coming of Moshiach is no more just a promise of good things. It has now become a detail, a detail, but an integral detail of a mitzvah. And mitzvahs of the Torah are eternal and forever and ever. So that's what we get from the third prophecy, from the, I'm sorry, from the third proof over all the other ones. Because the other ones you can argue are what? It's not necessarily, it's, it's a prophecy. So even though, again, I'm not saying that, Ramam is not saying that, the other, that that's not valid. Again, if it's a promise for good, it has to stay. But it doesn't have the depth, it doesn't have the, uh, the steelness of something that is a mitzvah. The mitzvah's eternity, the mitzvah's power. In other words, the, the non, 
the, 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 the non-changing element, the durability of this, is so much stronger because it's now a part of a mitzvah. But one can argue and say, hold it, I understand why it's greater than prophecies. But the first proof that Rambam gave was from a promise that's mentioned in the Torah. We're not talking about a prophecy. It's part of what Moshe Rabbeinu said. What does Moshe Rabbeinu say? That in the end of days, V'shav Hashem Elokecha, that God is going to bring back. And that's Torah. That's not prophecy. It's not ordinary Nevi'im. That's, that's Torah. Torah gives a promise. And we know that when we say Torah is Nitzchiyas, it means that all of Torah is Nitzchiyas. Not just the mitzvahs of the Torah are Nitzchiyas. Nitzchiyas meaning eternal. All of Torah is eternal. So what is the idea that, that Rambam wants to emphasize it's part of a mitzvah of the Torah? And the answer is, here's a, here's, a, here's a very, very, very important idea. This that we say that all of Torah is nitzchias, is eternal, is true, of course, about every pasuk and every detail and sub-detail throughout the entire Torah. But it is possible to say that certain things don't necessarily have to mean in their practical, most physical application and meaning. One can actually argue that a certain element of Torah has meaning more in its spiritual form, not in the physical. Even though we know there is a rule, that every pasuk of Torah is, needs to be interpreted in its, in its literal sense, you can't read the story of Avram and Sarah, for instance, and Yitzchak and all of that, and read it just as a metaphor, as a metaphorical uh, thing. It's metaphors for things, but you have to believe that there is a person by the name of Abraham, Avram, and there was a person named Sarah, and Yitzchak and Rivka. These are all real stories of real people that actually lived. But not necessarily that if someone thinks that, that they're a heretic and a non-believer in Torah. When it comes, however, to mitzvahs of the Torah, to a commandment in the Torah, over there it's absolutely, absolutely unequivocal that if someone interprets a mitzvah to mean something spiritual and not something physical to be observed down here, Rambam states clearly that that is the biggest um, um, denial of Torah that there is possible. Mitzvahs must mean, because God is giving a commandment. If He's giving a commandment, He wants you to take His world literally and say, ah, I think God, you mean... It doesn't work that way. If there's a commandment, it means in the actual sense. Where do we see that? Let me quote to you from a few places. Where you see that Ramam said, here, in the laws of... Um, Or for instance, someone argues, oh, here we got, Va'oymer. Va'oymer shahaboyre hechlif. Mitzvizu, this is in Hilchas Tshuva. Paragimel, Allah ches. If someone says that God, the Creator, changed the mitzvah, the mitzvah cheres, in another mitzvah, or the kvar batla torezu, or this Torah is was once applicable, but not today. Even though he, he acknowledges that it came from God. He's not denying, 
He's not denying ever receiving the Torah, Torah Menashemayim. He believes Torah came from God. But he says that what? That it was, it was only for once upon a time and God had already changed it. You don't have to do that anymore. Ramam gives very clearly who he means. Like the Christians. Vahagrim and the, and, and, and the Muslims. Vahagrim, the children of Hagar. Any of these three, Rama mentioned something else earlier, that is a denial in Torah. When it, and, and there's also another interesting statement in the laws of Malachim, in the laws of kings that I mentioned earlier in regards to Mashiach. Over here too, there is a... Um, there is a... a um, oh, this was censored. When they, when they printed Rambams in, later, in uh, later prints, they censored this out because the Rambam over here is, is refuting a Christianity. Because the Christians have believed that Mashiach, their Mashiach came already. So the Rambam says over here in Allah Gimel, the Ikar Advarim Kachahen, and the main matter is as follows. Torah hazos that this Torah, Ein Chukeo Mishpateo Mishtanim La'olam, its laws cannot can never change. It's laws. He's not saying promises or laws of Torah can never change. forever. We cannot add on them. We cannot subtract from them. Anybody who does add, or diminishes. Oh, this is what we're saying. So I was looking for this earlier. This I didn't find earlier. Or he changes something in the Torah. A mitzvah. Again, only a mitzvah. And he takes some element of a mitzvah and he takes it out mipshutan from the simple meaning of it, which is to do the mitzvah, whatever the mitzvah commands. So there's two girsas over here. There's two um, um, way of reading this. Hareze bevadai rasha v'apikores. That's one of them. He, this person is definitely a wicked person and a heretic. And this is the reason the Rambam is writing it, why um, Yeshu Hanoitri, who is the Christian Moshiach, why he can't be Moshiach and why he's not believed in the Jewish people is because he took mitzvahs and changed and said we don't have to keep them anymore and certain things don't have to be kept and that means whatever, it's the spirit of the law and not the law itself. And therefore, or some read it, Harizei Badai, this person is an imposter, Russia, a wicked person, the Apikoris, and a heretic. But if you listen, looking clearly in Rambam, Rambam is stating that explicitly when it comes to mitzvahs in Torah. Now, when Pirisha Mishnayis and the Rambam's commentary on Mishnah, the Rambam has, besides his book of law, the Rambam also has a commentary on Mishnah. Over there, the Rambam says that every word of Torah is true. And if someone denies that Moshe made anything up, then, then, then this person is also a non-believer. But with it, the Ramam says an interesting thing, that you'll wonder then, why with certain details in the Torah, you say God is important to, to write what the name of the wife of this king who lived in the land of Edom. So the Rambam says that there are very, very, very deep secrets and all these mystical secrets and hidden big chachmas for those who have open eyes. And that's what King David davened and he said, Gal, ain't I open my eyes to see the wonders of the Torah. 
Which means that the Rambam is clearly stating over there, you can look it up in the, in the laws, in the introduction to Perek Chelek, to the 10th chapter of Mesechta Sanhedrin. There's a very fascinating discussion in Rambam about, that's where the Rambam codifies or sets the 13 animamans, the 13 principles of faith. And there the Rambam says clearly that there is possibility to that certain, that Torah that the nitzchis, the eternity, I mean, of course the story is true in the literal sense that there was a king and he had a wife, that's what he's, the Ramam is not arguing, questioning that. The Ramam, however, is saying that the important relevance of it could be mystical, could be spiritual, could be deep secrets in them. When you're not dealing with a practical commandment, but when you're dealing with a halacha, when you're dealing with a mitzvah, that you cannot ever, ever say that it does not mean in the physical. It means in the physical because all mitzvahs are concrete. So that's very, very important. That's why the Rambam emphasizes, it's not just Torah, the Rambam wants to tell you it's a part of mitzvahs of the Torah, part of the Torah commandment. The idea of Mashiach now became a pivotal part of mitzvah observance. The mitzvah of Ir Miklat needs needs nine nine um, 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 cities. God gave you that mitzvah. Rambam says Veloitziva. Is these words. Hashem God would not have commanded it in vain. Because it's a commandment and it must mean in the material. And as we said earlier, two things. First of all, it's non-changingness. is not just in spirit. Because again, let's, let's, let's differentiate. Prophecy, since prophecy is all about communication to us, since our, we change, prophecies essentially can change. Bad prophecies can, can be nullified in the literal sense. Good prophecies cannot be changed, but the reason they can't be changed is just because of an external element, so that what? The, we should be able to check out who is the legitimacy of the prophet. So which means that Be'etzem is something that could change. Anything stated in Torah is much deeper than that. Because Torah comes from God's essence. And just like God doesn't change, Torah doesn't change. Torah is not about the instructions. Torah is about Hashem. These mitzvahs are His essential will. This is the very deep things about Him. Fine. That's all. That's all of Torah. That's every story, every little event, everything recorded in Torah has that inyan of nitzchias, of eternity. However, the difference... But then there is mitzvahs of Torah. It's the third thing. What's the chiddush? What's the novelty of mitzvahs? That mitzvahs, you cannot interpret their eternity, their eternal element as something spiritual. A mitzvah means physical, material mitzvah. I, there is a question somewhere, it says that a mitzvahs are going to be nullified after an olam haba. There won't be a mitzvahs betelos la'asad lavi. The mitzvahs are stopped. So Hasidus explains, not chas v'shalem, the force of the commandment change. It means that because the light by the coming of Mashiach is going to be so intense and so powerful that the light of the mitzvah, the light, the power, is going to cancel, be canceled out. You're not going to notice it in the revelation of La'asad Lavi when Mashiach comes. But not chas v'shalem, that the mitzvah itself can change because just like God doesn't change, his mitzvah doesn't change. And particularly when it comes to mitzvah, more than anything else in Torah, you have the idea that it must be in the material, physical sense. So without this proof, without this last proof, hypothetically, it would have been possible for someone to argue. So now we'll understand why the Ramah brings that third halacha, which 
which really you understand that without adding that third thing, there could technically be someone who can deny Mashiach's coming and not be considered a, 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 a non-believer in Torah. Why? Let's give an example. Even if you have a promise, even if you have a promise in the Torah that what? That, um, that Mashiach is going to come. Why? And that's very simple. If someone believes that God, the Torah comes from Hashem, no, no denial. He believes. And every word of the Torah comes from Hashem. And therefore the Pasuk that says that I will gather your exiles comes from God. Question is, however, maybe Hashem went back on his, on his two things. Maybe Hashem went back on his promise. As I said earlier, a promise for good that's publicized cannot be rescinded. But that's only if it's told to a Navi. Meaning it's coming as Hashem is sending a Navi to tell the Jewish people about something. One can argue that the promise of Eshav Hashem Lekecha even though it's coming through Moshe Rabbeinu, but it's not being told as Moshe Rabbeinu coming as a prophet to tell the Jewish people. So it can be Stama Haftacha. It's a Haftacha, it's a promise in Torah. Is it possible that a promise in Torah, that Chas V'Sholem, if we sin, we should lose it? Not, not a prophecy where a Navi comes and tells a community something good is going to happen. But stop a promise in Torah. Well, we do find an interesting thing. The Brisa says, there's a Gemara, Mesechtas Baruches, Dav Dalid. The Gemara says an interesting thing. That when in, in the song of Shir, of um, the song by the Yamsuf, we say over there, the Jews sang, cast the fear upon our enemies, Ad Yavor Amcha Hashem, until your nation God will pass. Until this nation, God, that you have acquired will pass. So the Gemara says in Masechus Brach, it's an interesting thing. Why does it say two times, until they will cross? So the Gemara says it's referring to the two times that the Jewish people will cross into the land of Israel. The first one was in the days of Yeshua, and the second one was in the days of Ezra. When Ezra, after the Golos, after the after the Babylonian exile, when Jews were coming back from Persia, and they came to build. So there too we're asking, let the nations tremble in fear. So the Gemara says, well, the nations didn't tremble in fear then. The Jewish people got permission by the Koresh, by the, by the non-Jewish king to build. And it wasn't at all that God was there and performing miracles. So the Gemara says in Masech Brachis, that the Jewish people, um, from here the Chachamim say, that the Jewish people were worthy that a miracle should happen to them, be May Ezra in the days of Ezra, in the same way that it happened to them in the days of Yeshua. The reason we did not have spectacular miracles in the days of Ezra was because sins have chas v'sholem. Sins have ruined it. That's it. Because we sinned, we didn't deserve it, we didn't get it. See clearly that a promise, there, there also, there wasn't a Navi. The Jews sang inspired, but it's written in the Torah. It's a promise. Something written in the Torah. Yet you see that what? That sin caused it to change. So someone can argue, this is, think about it, even though people don't say this explicitly, but there might be Jews who deep inside their heart feel that we Jews have lost it because of assimilation, because of this, because of that, because of the low spiritual state and all the, all the corruption. And all. People like to never think, don't see the good in other Jews. There's so much good really. See, Hashem is such a beautiful people. 
But sometimes there are people who Nebuch don't see the beauty and only see the bad. And look and fall into despair. Say, you know what? It must be that, you know, Mashiach made a promise. Mashiach could come. But you know what? If we're not worthy for it, it's not going to happen. Like you see in Avtacha, you see by Yaakov Avinu. On that, the answer is, as we said earlier, anything that says in, that anything that's part of a mitzvah of the Torah, again, as we said earlier, a mitzvah, now that, the, now that the third, the Rambam brings the third proof, in which he establishes that, that coming of Mashiach is now part of the mitzvah observance, and mitzvahs must be, must, must, are forever and ever, so it must be that this promise is going to happen because a mitzvah has to be forever. A mitzvah cannot be canceled. And now Mashiach's coming is a mitzvah. It's part of a mitzvah. And therefore it can't be canceled. Number one. Now hypothetically, there, or another argument in which we, again, we gain by seeing it as a mitzvah, is someone can argue and say that all these prophecies that talk about what's going to happen when Mashiach comes, we're talking about spiritual things. Come on to believe in a modern day like today that there's going to be a monarchy in the land of Israel and all Jews are going to go back. How is the world going to accept it? How is a modern world today with all the way people are, are progressive and is going to think about it, go back to a temple in which there are going to be animal uh, sacrifices and it's going to be a king and it doesn't make any sense. It's not, so what does it mean? It means spiritually there's going to be enlightenment. It's going to be uh, people are going to be geared towards goodness. There's going to be brotherhood in the world. People are going to care about world peace. And maybe this is what it means. We're not talking about a, a, an actual... And so this is all more metaphorically and spiritually referring to things, but not in the literal sense. So not necessarily from the first, from the first proofs in Rambam, it doesn't necessarily require that there should be an actual thing because as we said earlier, things that are not mitzvahs in regards to its eternity could be explained on spiritual levels. However, now that we say that it is a... Now that we're saying that it is a, um, a mitzvah, the mitzvah of the Torah has to be materialized in the physical. And that's the amazing thing that we get from this. Two things. It has to be forever. And there is no change. doesn't make a difference. Why? doesn't make a difference. Chas v'sholem, the status of the Jewish people, which parenthetically, that wouldn't even be a possibility anyways to say that because we sin, we're never going to be redeemed. Because that itself, the Ramam says in the laws of Malachim, or the laws of tshuva, I think. Rambam says explicitly that the Torah promised that we will do tshuva. So you can't argue that because we sinned, because the Torah gave a promise that the Jewish people will do, Torah, will do tshuva, hifticha Torah. So parenthetically, that idea anyways can't happen, that, that because we sinned. Okay, but that's aside. But mitzad, the idea of a promise in the Torah, or something like that, it's possible, as we said, it's possible to change. So the Ramam says that wow, that it's a mitzvah in the Torah. So the mitzvah of the Torah takes away both the possibility of saying that there was any change in it and the possibility of learning this that we're dealing with something spiritual and something and not something concrete. Oh, by the way, this will also explain another interesting thing. When the Ramam talks about the second prophecy, the second proof, Ramam brings that Bilam prophesized. The Rambam uses the words v'kvar, I'm going to open it up over here, I'm sorry I closed it. Um, Rambam uses the words v'kvar niba v'shnei ha Here. 
Visham uh, Niba. And over there he said prophecy in the two Mashiachs. What's the emphasis in the Rambam's emphasis in saying that he was Niba, he was Menaba? It was a prophecy. So here's a very, 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 a very, a very beautiful thing, a very beautiful idea. And that is that really in truth, each halacha, each one, has something to offer that the others don't have. You see, even though we said before that anything stated in Torah is much stronger than something just coming from a prophet, because Torah comes from a much deeper place in God than prophecy does. But on the other hand, there is some quality to prophecy over what is written in the Torah. There is something about prophecy that exceeds what's written in the Torah. Precisely because of the inferiority of prophecy, precisely because of that, there is some, there's some quality to prophecy that Torah doesn't have. Its very inferiority is its quality. What is that? Is its, is its um, power. And that is we know that if someone doesn't listen to something that it says in the Torah, if you ignore a commandment, that doesn't mean an end to a person's life. A person can ignore a commandment and uh, he might get different punishments. Sometimes there is a punishment. Sometimes there's no punishment that's explicit. Sometimes there is lashes. Sometimes there's this. There's different levels of punishment. But Maimonides states clearly that if someone, if a prophet comes, a prophet, and you know he's a prophet, and he tells you, um, go, uh, I don't know, swim across the lake. And a person ignores the prophet and does not swim across the lake, and you know he's a prophet of God. You're ignoring what he says. He doesn't say, the prophet's not saying, I want you to take a swim. He tells you, God told me to tell you to swim across the lake. If the person doesn't swim across the lake, the Rambam says that this person is high of Misa. He's punished by death. By God, not, not the courts. But he's high of Misa B'deshamayim. That means it doesn't make a difference what he's telling you. If he's telling you to pick up a, I don't know, a plastic cup from the floor because God said so, it can be a small thing, it can be a big thing. It's irrelevant. The fact that you're not listening to God's word through a prophet is punishable by death. But the mitzvahs of the Torah is not that way. So why is that? Does that make any sense? If the Torah is more severe and stronger than what's in the prophet. And the answer is precisely based on what we said before. See, if the prophet is coming to you, see, the whole idea of prophecy is communication to people. God is communicating with you. So if God, and, and God is sending the Navi as his agent to speak to you. So if chas v'shalom, a person doesn't listen to what the prophet is saying, meaning it's as if he's not listening to God directly. God is commanding him to do things, not listening. That's called a rebellion in a king. Chas v'shalom, a rebellion against God is what? Is, 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 is punishable by death. It's a re- rebellion against Hashem. Torah, Torah is not the mitzvahs in essence are something essential in God. It's given down here, but it's not like there is right now a commandment from the Abish to directly to the person in a manner that you say that God has sent me right now to tell you to do this mitzvah. Of course, in a, in a, in a roundabout way, not doing the mitzvah is a rebellion against Hashem. But it's not in the same, because God is not mitzvahs are, as we said earlier, are something deeper in Hashem. It's not a direct communication to you right now because of the situation that you're in right now. It's different. It doesn't have that time and space element that the, that, that the, that the prophecy has. And that's why that's considered always a rebellion against Hashem. So it comes out what Rambam is really trying to do, which comes out really magnificent over here. What Rambam is trying to do about, about Moshiach is he's telling you that the coming of Mashiach has legitimacy, not stam, has force on three levels. Three levels. Level number one, it's a promise in the Torah. 
Number one, mitzad haftacha, it's a promise in the Torah. Level number two, it's nevuah. That's why he speaks about Bilam. And Ramam emphasizes Bilam was niba. He said a prophecy. When something is prophecy, when something is prophecy, it has a certain power which Torah on its own doesn't have in terms of that someone who is not listening to it has the severity of not listening to a prophecy. To a prophet, which has an extra severity to it. Number three, Ramam is telling you, it's also a mitzvah in the Torah. So, so a denial in that is a denial in the eternity of mitzvahs or in its, the mitzvah being in force in the most physical of forms. The question over here is only remain. If this is so powerful, and this is probably the, most, the strongest, um, 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 the, mo- the most uh, enduring, most powerful statement about coming of Mashiach. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, this will also answer why Rambam doesn't quote, if he wants to tell you uh, that from the idea that we have 10 countries, and we, God promised the 10 countries and we don't have it, how come he doesn't say that Hashem said it to Avram Avinu? The answer is that's a promise. A promise, as we said earlier, maybe we sinned, maybe we don't deserve it. The Ramam is dafka bringing you from the mitzvah of Ir Miklat, not even from the promise that Hashem said to Avram Avinu, because that's a promise. Say it's a promise to a Navi, it's possible for whatever reason, it, 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 it didn't occur because of whatever. Something can get in the way. Ramam is telling you clearly that what? No, he wants to tell you it's a mitzvah. Fine. But the question is, why choose Ir Miklat out of all things? Refuge from if a person is running away from the avenger of the blood, why choose that to be the mitzvah that communicates the coming of Mashiach in its most forceful and actual and actual and actual form? Why that mitzvah out of all mitzvahs? And the answer is, what is the coming of Mashiach? It's the the, the it's it's the time that we will all be in the city of refuge. All of humanity will be in the city of refuge. It's the ultimate tikkun of the world. Because what's the city of refuge? The city of refuge is that someone is escaping any chas v'shalem, any element of negativity that's running after him. In this case, it's his threat to his life. Over there, he's safe. Now in Golas, we have all kinds of tsaris. We have all kinds of problems. We have all kinds of things that are in the physical, even in the physical. Jews have always been living through a situation where there was always a danger. You always have to look over your shoulder. There's always something that's brewing. There's always some anti-Semite somewhere who's cunning and thinking of harming Chas Vashal. So just like there is an ear miklot in place, a physical geographic location, the coming of Mashiach in general is a time when the Jewish people will be saved from all, from all Chas Vashal and will be protected. Will be protected with an absolute protection. So we're going to be living in a miklot time. That's number one. But deeper than that, Ir Miklat is not just a safe haven from physical harm coming upon a person, also from spiritual harm. The Yetzahara is, a, is a considered the, the Goel Hadam, the avenger of the blood that's chasing after us. Because Chas Vashalom, every time we do a sin, we're spilling blood because we're giving energy of holiness to an unholy place. And the Yetzahara is always looking to make a sin and then running Chas Vashalom to avenge the blood. So there's always a danger. A person is always in hot pursuit. When Mashiach will come, 
gone with Yetzahara, gone with that whole pursuit, that, 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 that the force that Chas V'Shalom wants to bring us into sin, and then Chas V'Shalom steal that energy, and then accuse us for doing that, and God forbid minimize in any way our life, whether spiritually or physically. So therefore, the coming of Mashiach is a time when that's eliminated. Now to take that even one step further, the going to the ear miklat is not just you're safe from the person changing you, but you actually have atonement. That's where the person who spilled blood has atonement. Which means that humanity in general has, has spilled the blood beginning with Adam Arishon's sin, eating from the tree of knowledge, which brought death to all of humanity. So there is, there is and we need atonement. From that sin, from the very beginning. So the, ear, the days of Mashiach were finally going to be safe, in a safe haven. In that ear miklot, we're going to gain atonement for all sins of all human beings from all of time, and there won't be any more blemish whatsoever at all. So ear miklot, the cities of refuge, represent an idea, the Mashiach to go world. Since Ir Miklot represents Mashiach's world, that's why in the mitzvah of Ir Miklot, we have the coming of Mashiach in its most concrete, durable, non-changing way in which we know that this is a promise and it's gonna happen without any doubt. It's not dependent on, on whether, on our, situ- our state because... It must happen no matter, matter what. How God is going to make it happen, if that means that He's going to make us do tshuva, that's possible. But the idea is that this is going to happen. There's no question about it. And when we have that certainty and that absoluteness, that this is going to happen without any doubt, that itself hastens His coming, and may we merit that we should see it, mamish, 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 now, that all of the world and all of the Jewish people first and all of mankind We'll be safe from all negativity and from anything that's harmful. And we finally realize that this world is God's ultimate dream and ultimate desire to express Himself through us and with us, His ultimate infinite kindness and His infinite goodness. May we merit to see that now. Of course we know it's true. I've received a promise. So have you. Out of this ghost, we can't take too much longer. You know why? And then together we're all gonna die. Together we're all gonna sing. We're gonna praise.
ירושלים, בעזרת השם.